Hi, this is David Yaz at the Boston Podcast Network, hoping you are staying safe and healthy during this period of precaution over the coronavirus. It's difficult to connect with your clients and contacts in a period such as this, but here we continue to produce podcasts that allow you to connect with the people that you want to reach. You've got a rapt audience like never before. People are home, they're listening, and they're waiting to hear from you. We can create a professional podcast with a quick turnaround and do the whole thing remotely so you don't have to leave your home. Get in touch with us at pod617.com. Welcome to the Ask Harry podcast. This is Harry Margolis, and this is the podcast where we interview experts on all aspects of estate planning. In this episode of Ask Harry, Harry continues his conversation with financial planner Amy Lampert of the Bullfinch Group on the subject of financial planning for women and widows. Enjoy Harry's conversation with Amy. Welcome back, Amy. Thanks, Harry. So in our last podcast, we discussed planning for widows, uh, and uh, we also mentioned divorce divorcees who often face the same circumstances of both uh, perhaps somebody else having managed their the finances for them who's no longer there and their circumstances, their financial circumstances and prospects changing. Um, and I, I wanted to get a little bit more into uh, – we got, got into some very interesting discussion about uh, – how how the how the finances change and what they uh, need to know um, ahead of time, hopefully, um, so that they're not totally blindsided or totally uh, starting from scratch uh, when they have to manage their finances themselves. But I'm I'm curious, and my questions maybe apply to anybody. But um, there's a lot of talk um, about Wall Street and from Wall Street about whether people should be investing in. Uh, index funds or in active investments, or we talked um, earlier about uh, in the other podcasts about annuities as a way to, uh, for longevity protection. And uh, I wonder if you have uh, anything you care to say about those issues. Well, I think what I would start out by saying is that there's no, I, I, I pull back from making a general statement about this is good you know, this is the best for everybody or mm-hmm. that there's one solution for, for everybody. Every case, every planning case and every client is so different. Um, it's, uh, you know, so multifactored. There's so many issues to take into consideration. So um, I use the question of active versus passive management. That's mm-hmm. active management versus an index type, um, a portfolio tied to indexes, um, which has sort of gotten a lot of, publicity and a lot of press lately. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, that's the $64 million question. The industry has yet to, 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 to solve that. Mm-hmm. The, the active managers will tell you they can add incremental return from their, the voodoo they do so well. Right. While uh, passive managers say there's no need to pay the extra fee mm-hmm. for that expertise because it really doesn't get you uh, incremental return. And, and, that, and, and, and that has not been solved. And I've heard some people say that, well, index fund or passive ma- passive uh, investment is fine in a, in a up market, but it's not as good in a, in a down market. So the know. question I ask people when they say that they want to be involved, uh, they only want to use indexed investing because it's low cost, is which index? Mm-hmm. There are a gazillion indexes. So yeah. which index are you going to choose? Right. Or which uh, mixture? You know, what's the cocktail of indexes you're mm-hmm. going to choose? And can you do that on your own? So, and the answer, of course, is no. So that, it's still that, active management of 
indexes. Because you could have a, an index right. that matches the home market or the right. Dow Jones or the S&P or – so or, I think the decision that somebody has to make and the thought process they have to use when making this decision. So these are people, most often people are faced with this decision because they want to save money. They want to save on the fees. So the first decision is do you and can you be a do-it-yourselfer? Mm-hmm. Can you, if you had the time, and do you have the time, if you had the time, do you have the knowledge to sit down and pick the right complement of index funds uh, to protect you in down markets and to capture as much as you can in up markets and rebalance when your initial desired allocation gets out of whack, which mm-hmm. can happen very frequently these mm-hmm. days, uh, to manage the taxes, which can be far more confiscatory than fees. Mm-hmm. And then if you can do all that, good luck to you in the Red Sox. <laughs> And if you, the answer to that is no, then get over the fact that you have to pay somebody to help you do that. Because in the long run, what you save in taxes, what you save in um, market volatility without some risk management, could could make the fee f- seem in, infinitesimal and, by comparison. Right. And I often think uh, what you, I think what often happens, people say they 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 end up being not invested. If they're doing it on their own, because well, they just don't get get around to getting it done. So again, the data shows that most people get out of the market at the wrong time, mm-hmm. and they get in at the wrong time. Right, because they panic and, they, then, right, and they, they see them, they see the market right. going up. And, exactly. So right. the, the that's another really we talked in the last podcast about the role of an advisor, and one of the big roles that we play is to keep people emotionally stable when everybody around them is losing their minds because the market looks like it's very vulnerable. So. Right. Staying the course is is important if there's a long term time horizon. Mm-hmm. So so it sounds like you're not really answering the question about passive. It's not answerable. Active. It's not answerable. It's not answerable yeah. for any one particular person. And I I really resent the press uh, any article that says everybody should do one thing or the other because mm-hmm. it's just not knowable what is right for one person. Just as, I have the same reaction to articles that say everybody should wait till they're 70 to take their social security or everybody should take it when they're at full retirement age. It's not knowable. There are too many factors to know which mm-hmm. is right for any one client. Mm-hmm. So, okay, so let's talk about social security a little bit. Okay. So, um, and they say there's no one answer for everybody, but um, if you have a couple and there's a possibility um, and the, and they and they don't need to take it because they, they they have enough money to 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 um, to support themselves until they are seventy. Does it? I'm mean, just saying it does make sense in that case to wait to seventy, just because that that's more longevity risk protection. Well, you'd think so intuitively, but here's yeah. what you would need to know: what's the health of both mm-hmm. of the individuals? Because if you wait till seventy, remember there are then four years mm-hmm. of income. They've that you've foregone. So there has to be a crossover age at which you will have recaptured that foregone income. And that could be close to $100,000, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the average age of crossovers, if you wait till 70, is somewhere around 82, 83, 84, somewhere around that. So if the person isn't well, Mm -hmm. then why would you wait? Yeah. Right? Yeah. If they're well, then perhaps you would. There are also ways for husbands and wives uh, or or, uh, domestic partners to... um, to optimize the social security income by um, combining and coordinating when each spouse. So 
one spouse can delay, another, the other spouse can take half of uh, one. So there's a, one spouse can wait till they're 70, one spouse can start when they're 65, 66, 67, 66 now. And uh, you, you, it's not gaming the system because it's totally right. legitimate, but right. it optimizes cash flow. So, the, so say one spouse is the, is the higher earner and the other is much lower, the lower earner could start taking his or her retirement benefit earlier and then and then then s- switch to a spousal benefit when the other spouse retires at 70 or not can um, they do that can not they switch anymore. Oh, you can't no, do that not okay. anymore they, they closed that, that so, so they still they still be taking their own benefit but they could switch to a widow's benefit i assume well, so, if the first spouse dies yeah, so let's talk about widow's benefit so if there's two spouses one spouse dies the choice will be made to take either ha- uh, the, either the 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 deceased spouse's social security or their own. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that depends on what the, the, the levels are of their, so one, one can, assume, can assume anymore that the, the females is lower than the husband's because right. that's just not true. The other thing that I am shocked that people don't know is that if you've been married for at least 10 years, man or woman, mm-hmm. you are eligible for your former spouse's social security if they're of social security age. Unless you get remarried before, before age, 60. age 60. Correct. So I've heard a story about So don't about get remarried before you're 60 if your former spouse had a decent social security right. and your new one doesn't. Right. So I've heard, I've heard, I heard a story about somebody who got uh, actually a lawsuit against a a, uh, a law firm they, uh, that didn't right. advise someone to delay your marriage by a few months. So I'm so I, I, I'm sorry to say this because I don't like people to be litigious, but I am shocked at how many lawyers fail to inform their clients about this law. Mm-hmm. It just is shocking to me. So, so yeah, that could be hundreds of thousands of dollars of lost benefit, and and the difference between poverty and living above the poverty line. Right. So. It's um, it's it, it is just really so. I had a client who signed a divorce decree at nine years and nine months mm-hmm. because her lawyer forgot to tell her. That so, so she, you have the two issues: ex- staying married for ten years and not getting remarried until exactly. late after age sixty. Exactly. Yeah. So those those are important mm-hmm. in in terms of protecting your wit- your potential widowhood. Exactly. <laughs> yes. Or divorce or or divorce right. right. And by the way, people assume that's just for women, but it's not. Men, right. men are also eligible for their former spouse's social right. security if it's if for example, you could take your former spouse's social security at age 66, delay yours till 70. Mhm. That's that, a, a strategy that you could use. That, that's a pretty good one. Excellent. <laughs> that's like free money. <laughs> You know, the other thing is that the system rewards older men marrying younger women. You know that, right? No. So if you're an older man of Social Security age and you happen to have minor children Mm -hmm. because you got married to a significantly younger woman and had children, you are entitled to Social Security benefits for for those children until they reach the age of of a majority. So um, we have clients, you know, 70-year-old men with 15- and 16-year-old children Mm -hmm. who are collecting an extra $2,000 a month. So it's a, so it's, there, it's a reward for it's almost because there's a ben- <laughs> social security benefit if a parent dies and they have minor kids. So yes. this is a, right. a corollary to that. Sounds like right, but that's you know that's not rewarded behavior. <laughs> <laughs> this is a system that rewards older men having uh, younger wives. Okay, and younger ch- and children by younger wives. So. Because uh, when it was set up, I guess maybe they, they expected that to be the 
more of the picture. I don't know. So um, when we talked uh, last time, you asked me to ask you a question, uh, which I didn't get to last time, but um, which is uh, how should potential widows prepare? Right. So um, what can they do in advance of potential widowhood? So the first thing I think I mentioned, and I'm going to repeat it again, is to be involved. Mm-hmm. You know, this, um, my, if I ever write a book, it's going to be called Don't Worry, Honey. Because what, <laughs> what, um, when a woman asks the man that she, to whom she's delegated their financial um, business, um, and she asks if, every, if they're going to be fine, he says, don't worry, honey. And what yeah. don't worry, honey, means to him don't is really me. different than what don't worry, honey, means to her, uh-huh. especially if his income is lost or her income is lost. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's really important to understand what that means. Because he's fine, because he's working, and there's enough money for him as long as he lives. And then he dies. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. Um, and um, the other thing is to understand what vital documents are, where they are, how much does it cost to live? Mm-hmm. You know, how much I, I'm living this great life. You, you make a great living. You're a very successful professional. I live in the suburbs. I play golf with my girlfriends. I thank God I had I didn't I could leave the workforce. I mean, this is a life that many women still aspire to, and that's mm-hmm. great. But what happens if the if the rug is pulled out from under them? And um, so, understanding how much it costs to live, what does um, what does your standard of living involve and how would you replace that mm-hmm. if you're it is possible to continue that standard of living with proper planning without proper planning it's almost not at all possible mm-hmm. so um that's that the planning for couples especially with children is essential and a, and a question I, I i asked in the last podcast we didn't get too far into it is does that almost necessarily involve life insurance. Well, again, unless, they, unless they have so much money that, that you don't yeah, need it. Yes. I, 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 I think being protected um, from a loss of income, whether it be through illness, uh, accident, or death, is really key to every plan. In fact, mm-hmm. um, there are some people who believe that protection first. Mm-hmm. You know, protect yourselves first. Save your before you start any other spending. Make sure you are protected, and I think that that's a good advice. So, life insurance, at least if it's term policy, and you're reasonably healthy, is reasonably cheap. Very well. It, it's it's a, it's a good value. Yeah, it's a good value. And um, and disability insurance, however, is a lot more expensive, isn't it? It, it depends. Mm-hmm. If you, you know, it depends when you start and yeah. how healthy you are, and it, it doesn't. Have, if you start early enough, it doesn't have to be. A bank breaker, okay, at all, and and of course, some people get disability insurance through through their work. They do, but um, so there's if, uh, that's another interesting topic, and I don't want to make this all about insurance. But um, if you ask most people what their disability coverage is through work, they can't tell you. They mm-hmm. don't know how much it is. Yeah. So they don't know whether it's pre-tax or post-tax, and so they don't know what job it's going to do. Right. If I'm a wife and I have three children, and my husband gets disability through work, and he loses his job. Mm-hmm. That is not portable. Yeah. And and if he has high blood pressure, he can't. It's much harder to get supplemental disability mm-hmm. or disability at all. Which is why we say start young, mm-hmm. start early, start when you're healthy, start when you're healthy, and then it's not going to break the bank. And mm-hmm. um, but but the, the 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 mythology is that I'm covered at work and I'll be fine. Right. And that's just not true. Okay, it's good to know. <laughs> and. Um, and understand your benefits, and that's yeah. that's for, for for women. 
in particular, but anybody, understand what you really have. Don't say, check the box and say, they told me I have disability, so I'm fine. What does it mean? How does much it, do you have? And does it stop? Does disability insurance always stop at 65? Uh, well, so that's complicated. It depends on the organization, but usually group policies, as long as you're employed and in service, they probably continues, but it depends on the But design. for how long? Until you don't work anymore. But, but I mean, how, how long do they continue paying if you become disabled? Oh, Oh, and through, usually through sixty-five. Right. Yeah, so yeah. if you so if yeah. you're so if you're sixty-four, you're only right. going to get one year of coverage anyway. Exactly. And if you're over sixty-five and still working, right, it's basically no coverage. Right. So that's yes, that's uh, important to 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 be aware of. Right. Yeah. So I, you know, this is not my. I have to say, this is not my area of expertise. So. I don't know what happens to somebody who's over 65 who's in service at a company that has a group plan mm -hmm. and whether or not they would be covered. Some, at least some minimum number of years. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh -huh. okay. I'm not sure about that. Okay, so we won't, won't pursue that, that avenue. So are there any other things you, sh you need to do to prepare ahead of time? So um, making sure, and this is your write-up, you know, this is your – your wheelhouse, but making sure that powers of attorney, mm -hmm. healthcare proxies are all in place, even yep. if you're young. Yeah, wills. That's what we tell everybody. You know, wills, yeah. trusts, if ne need be. Um, you know, uh, part of every list of uh, action items for every plan is to make sure that you consult with an estate planning attorney. People, you know, don't want to. A, they don't want to spend the money. B, they don't know how, or they start the process and can't come up with the who's going to play what role. Right. Um, you know, it's penny wise and pound foolish. Mm -hmm. It's just something that really, really needs to be done. So um, let's see, making sure that we talked about replenishing, replenishing lost cash flow. What's the plan for replenishing lost cash flow for uh, somebody when somebody's income is lost? Um, Certainly special needs, something to your, to your heart. If there is a special needs and there is more and more special mm -hmm. needs situation, making sure right. that the plan is in place for that, that can be complicated. Um, and going back to cash flow, um, um, this is maybe less widowhood, um, but, it, but it could be in divorce too. If, but going back to disability, so if one spouse becomes disabled, it may be that much harder for the other spouse to continue working especially because they may be taking care of the spouse who has to be at home as well as kids, um, in some cases as well as, well as parents. Yeah, it's a very big burden on families, um, and that's certainly true um, for young families. And then that same issue happens uh, as people get older, the whole long-term right. care issue, which is you know our, is, has yet to be resolved, certainly by our government. Right. Um, and the cost of long-term care insurance has just skyrocketed. There are... Um, the insurance companies, I have to say, are very, very innovative when it comes to creating um, vehicles. So now there's a vehicle, for example, where you can buy, spend a dollar on life insurance and get life insurance and long-term care mm -hmm. coverage as a rider. So there's all kinds of emerging um, uh, vehicles and innovations, but uh, it's a big issue. So it makes it a little more flexible. So exactly. you so you can, in effect, trade off the life insurance for right. some long-term care insurance. Exactly. Which uh, makes makes a lot which of sense. Which overcomes the big objection that people have, which is, I don't want to pay for it if I'm not going to use it. Right. And they hope, they, and they hope not to use it. Well, exactly. And, right. and yet, the longer you live, the higher the likelihood that you're going to need some kind of assistance. Right. Right. Exactly. So, 
Um, so what else should we know about widows and, and, and whether it's financial planning or investing that may be a little bit different from uh, people who uh, you know, are not widows? I'm a big believer in education, mm-hmm. self-education. Um, it is overwhelming out there. Um, Especially but, if you're also dealing with a, 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 a sudden change of circumstances. Right. Um, I teach uh, adult education classes because I'm really a believer in people. Be you know, And the, the, the other thing is that you don't have to know everything. You don't have to mm-hmm. know algorithms. You don't have to be great at math. You know, if you can add and subtract and multiply and maybe do a little division, then that's all you need to know. And th- you don't have to know everything. You don't know how to have to know how to pick stocks. Mm-hmm. You don't have to know which mutual fund to choose. And people spend 90% of their time, as led by most advisors, trying to decide which fund and which stock to buy, and 10% planning, and I think it should be reversed. Uh-huh. I'm sure you've heard me say this. 90% of the time should be spent planning, mm-hmm. and then plugging in the right vehicle is really the easy part. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people need to understand that. Yeah, that the planning. Make a lot of sense. If, if you If you set the template for planning, then you just have to plug in the right vehicles. Sounds good. Sounds like good advice for all of us. So, um, so I wonder if you could just, uh, Amy, before we break, uh, just uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your your financial planning practice. So, I have a company called Women's Worth. Uh, I have joined forces with um, a wonderful organization called the Bullfinch Group. We're based out of Needham. Um, I've been in business uh, in the what I call the private wealth management space um, for uh, almost uh, just forty years. Um, and my passion in life is, um, what is my tagline? I'm helping women and the important people in their lives be masters of their own financial destinies. Sounds good. Next masters of the universe. (laughs) Thank you very much, Amy. Thank you, Harry. Thank you for listening to the Ask Harry podcast. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends and colleagues. If you have questions about estate planning, you can find answers at askharry.info. And if you don't find your answer there, you can post a question and I will respond to it. You can also subscribe and listen to future episodes on iTunes. Prior to the podcast, Amy provided the following notice. This material contains the current opinions of the presenter, but not necessarily those of Guardian or its subsidiaries, and such opinions are subject to change without notice. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting device. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. Material discussed is meant for general information purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. The Social Security Administration has not approved, endorsed, or authorized this presentation. Contact the Social Security Administration for complete details regarding eligibility for benefits. Amy Lampert, Registered Representative and Financial Advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLC, PAS, 160 Gould Street, Suite 310, Needham, Mass., 02494-781-449-4402. Securities, products, services, and advisory services offered through PAS, a registered broker-dealer and investment advisor. Financial Representative, The Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, 
Guardian, New York, New York. The Bullfinch Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Guardian. Life insurance offered through the Bullfinch Group Insurance Agency, LLC, an affiliate of the Bullfinch Group, LLC. The Bullfinch Group, LLC, is not licensed to sell insurance. The Bullfinch Group is not registered in any state or with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission as a registered investment advisor. California Insurance License Number 0K32356, 2019-89067, expiration 1121.